everyone, welcome to an exciting and unusual episode of ARG Presents. I am Amigo Aaron, joined by a man that normally I will put over and expostulate on his virtues, but today I'm going to pound him like a nail. I give you the Brent. Unfortunately, Aaron, you are a hammer made of Play-Doh. Take off. You're going to be you're going to be hurting for certain. So, folks, <laughs> if you missed last week's uh, exciting episode, and uh, some of you did, uh, we spun the wheel. We made the deal. This is quite a deal this week, as for the first time ever on ARG Presents, with much ballyhoo and nothing but nonstop praise for the idea, we'll be doing ARG Battle. Wah, 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 wah. Brent, That's right. without giving away the premise of the battle, tell these people, what is ARG Battle? You know what? I'm going to give away the premise of the battle. No, don't do that. Just explain the battle. No, no. It's NES versus DOS. Boom. That 87, 89. You're right. It we is. Are, we are opening the debate. Uh, when we were growing up, <clears throat> I always said that console gaming, uh, especially versed during the NES era, was uh, superior to all forms of gaming across all game types. And Aaron completely said no no he said it is all about computer that's right that's true and today we are putting this to rest and we are going to decide once and for all uh during the the u.s nes run which was better the nintendo entertainment system or ms dos for your gaming needs that's right now uh, there were certain uh, parameters we set up for this, and we've got a uh, sort of a predetermined uh, uh, way we're going to go through this battle. We're not just going to scream at each other for for a half hour. Uh, we're going to uh, do do this in proper, uh, sort of like a duel. There's there's got to be rules to the duel, and we've got rules here. We're just gonna we're gonna go through this, and, and we've got this split up in a certain way. It should be it should be a uh, interesting battle. I will say that uh, when we talk about uh, DOS uh, versus NES, uh, we're, uh, we mean an MS-DOS PC computer. In the, in the case of today's battle, I'm going to be uh, using or using as an example the exact computer I had at this exact time, which was, again, 1987-1989. Of course, Brent will be using the NES system. Uh, Brent, anything you want to talk about in the preamble of this battle before you go ahead and start talking <clears throat> about the hardware? Uh, I just want to uh, express that I, I, I feel sorry um, that we didn't get uh, into the Super Nintendo era, which I believe was the peak of gaming. But uh, I will I will have a a solid weapon in the NES lineup. Yeah, yeah. So I'm good to go. Well, we'll see about that. So. Brent, according to your predetermined cool guy mythology to run this uh, situation, uh, we are going to go into a uh, hardware uh, discussion here, which makes sense. We're going to talk about the Absolutely. hardware. We're talking about the hardware we were using. Uh, why, don't, I'll, why, don't, why don't I go ahead and let you start this off, and we'll, and then I will uh, be issued some rebuttal time after this hardware. You ready to go on this? I am ready to go. All right. Here, time for your close-up, Cecil. Let's talk about a little bit of NES hardware. First of all, I'm not going to go into system specs 
uh, I don't think that's what this is about. I never think that it's all about uh, the accessories and the availability of items for your Nintendo and what you could really do to run your system. For me, of course, I had a Nintendo uh, in the U.S. region, but uh, this is really true for the uh, Famicom in Japan and the EU release of the Nintendo, which looks a lot like ours. Number one thing that gives Nintendo the edge over all other gaming has to be the NES controller. And this controller is something that was so prized uh, for its functionality and its responsiveness that the copyright rode for many, 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 many years. Uh, so much so that the competitors said, this D-pad is so awesome, Nintendo, that we're going to basically license it from you. So <clears throat> the Nintendo pad, one of, if not the best, uh, input devices for a gaming system, really, even into the 90s. Uh, not this particular gamepad, of course, but uh, others just like it. The crosshair D-directional pad uh, was just so smooth and so responsive to so many things. Uh, it really helped gaming go on. Um, of course, if you didn't like the D-pad, you always had the option to go with a joystick for Nintendo. Uh, the NES Advantage really brought that uh, joystick arcade action home. It was very accessible. Uh, nice big buttons, really fluid stick. Um, it's not something that everyone had. I personally actually used a Copcom fighting stick during this era. Uh, but the any stick that you could get for the Nintendo, either first party or on third party great stuff also for the nintendo you had the zapper now of course in modern times the zapper is not something that you are going to use on modern televisions due to the technology uh and the zapper was not as good as some of its arcade counterparts of course but for the home systems it was a accurate shooter that allowed you to have some of that arcade shooting action at home. Something else that the Nintendo did was allow you to do four-player action. And not only did it allow you to do four-player wired action, but they had attachments to let you do four-player wireless action, which allowed not only just for your four-player stuff, but your single-player and two-player self as well. Uh, this is stuff that... Uh, no one else was doing it at the time. You know, this allowed really allowed you to get some space in between you and your television without the wires. And of course, nowadays almost all of our equipment is wireless. So this was really this was certainly not the first. I'm not claiming that, but Nintendo did it among the best. And you've also got some of your other playful things: your power pads, your power gloves, all the stuff. Uh, while not the best hardware, for sure, it was something that allowed you to experience gaming through different means, your hands, your feet. And that was just not something you would get from a lot of different platforms. Uh, and then you had your crazy gimmicks outside of Nintendo's real touch. Uh, stuff like the Miracle Keyboard to teach to learn piano from, 
in Japan, they even had stuff like karaoke you could do for your Nintendo. All hardware that attaches to your system, that upgrades your system, that allows it to do things it didn't do before. Uh, even very early on, they had 3D systems uh, over in Japan, uh, and they had disk drives to allow you to save different games and different uh, uh, allowed you to expand upon the cartridge. And something I bet you didn't know, Aaron, the Nintendo even had a modem that would allow you to attach their networks and do some of the business side. Uh, it allowed stock exchange. Uh, it even allowed gambling over in Japan. And unfortunately, the infrastructure was never there for the American system, but that doesn't stop that it was there and very important. So I have to wonder, Aaron, can your hardware do all of that? Well, if you allow me just a moment, let's start off with this. Uh, what country are we in right now? We're in America. Now, are we in Japan? I mean, we could very no, easily not. get Japan so, stuff. Uh, literally half of what you talked about is, is disqualified. There was no modem. There was no disk drive. There wasn't any of that stuff. The, the Nintendo couldn't do any of that in the States. All right? So uh, the virtual reality, this is all, that's glorious, but this doesn't exist. Not in the States. So you can throw all that out. All right? Now let's talk about, you know, you're not a specs guy, but I am. <clears throat> so let's just talk about the overall potential of the NES. Uh, a 2K onboard RAM and a, a, a MOS 6502 running at uh, right around 1.8 megahertz, all right? And we'll compare that to uh, a PC shortly, but I can tell you it comes up exceedingly short in terms of the overall capabilities of the deck. Now, let's talk about uh, the actual American NES. <clears throat> um, the uh, console wasn't called a console here. It was the Power Deck. Uh, because they want to differentiate it from video games to make it more VCR-like. That's always the story you hear. And this thing, uh, this uh, particular version of the NES was very flawed uh, with a uh, horrible mechanism for ins ins inserting cartridges that wore out quickly and that, in you, that uh, instituted the old blow on the cartridge slot gimmick that we still know to this day because people still do it because of the horrible implementation of this particular connector. Now, I have an NES, and it, it, of course, when I got it, of course, it had this problem, and it had to be re rectified, and eventually I had to get an engineering change just to make the actual console more usable, because when, it's, when it shifted in it, uh, back in the day, it was uh, a flawed design. I don't think anybody would fight me on that. <clears throat> the uh, multitude of controllers, uh, the uh, I believe that wireless setup was infrared, wasn't it, at the time? which those are well known to be garbage. So I don't think there's a whole lot of people that are going to be playing uh, wireless on their on their uh, NES. And the cartridge, uh, and I will, while I'll give you that the light gun was a fabulous peripheral, uh, the, uh, the, the actual controller itself, while being uh, uh, clever in its design with the cross and the two buttons, I've always found it to be very difficult to hold. It's not ergonomic in any way. And it was a, thankfully they improved upon it because they saw the shortcomings of it pretty early on. And I also would submit to you that there, uh, the, uh, uh, the choices of controller on the original NES, uh, especially from 80, 87 to 89, were, were limited. 
there were not a ton of different options. Uh, the NES Advantage, which I have one of these, is not a, is not a good controller, frankly. It's not, it's it's it just it's not good. The joystick's not good, and so for a true joystick experience, it's not the way I would go. There also really aren't any analog options for the NES, but of course they really wouldn't need them because they didn't have any games that supported analog. So there were plenty of shortcomings uh, with the uh, with the original NES uh, from a hardware perspective, my opinion. Well, let's take a look at some of what you said. <clears throat> First of all, uh, if you discount, like, even if you discount uh, the Famicom from Japan, which I think is a silly thing to do, uh, it, it is still an era of gaming. It was still something you could theoretically get and use, and there are tons of them in the United States even today. There were tons in 87, but, 89. But let's I back up, so. and let's just say, was the uh, loading system for Nintendo flawed for the time? It, it was certainly not the best. You can't debate otherwise. However, you could buy, it eventually went to, you could buy top loaders in the United States. Uh, they at least saw the problem and rectified it. After 89. Uh, now, if Again, you're talking, talking about... about 87 could, to 89 here. So during this period, you were stuck with these with these flawed uh, NES decks. They weren't flawed. They and were... here's something else you have to remember about Nintendo. <clears throat> they 100% supported what they sold. If your Nintendo uh, had a failure, you could take it to a authorized dealer, and if it was inside the warranty zone, bam, fixed, no questions asked, and the repair uh, repairs on these were pretty cheap. They were pretty cheap for the time. How much were uh, they? They ran those repairs. They were less than half the cost of the console to get That's a new deck. To, so, and they ran those repairs. Uh, uh, they provided those repairs all the way up until the 2000s. And it's because there was a demand for them. And the only reason why they stopped offering repairs for the Nintendo was they actually ran out of parts. So people were repairing these things into the into the uh, uh, past two thousands. Now for the controller, I, and I see this from a couple different sources, uh, and I I mind completely blown. Anyone who doesn't think that the Nintendo controller was one of the best controllers for its time is mind boggling. Look how many times it was copied, not only uh, during it's when it was used, but even today, the D-pad is a staple of of a controllers. The D-pad's not the issue. It's the it's the it's the rectangle. The rectangle is garbage. It was it's un, not it garbage. It was not ergonomically correct. It was it, it, it was small. Cramped, it was one. absolutely small for large hands. There's no question about that. That's and they did eventually. Uh, introduced the dog bone shape, which was a little bit easier, which more resembled a Super NES controller. Uh, but for the time that it was out, unless you had monstrous hands, which I will fully admit is not ergonomical for monstrous hands, it was still a controller that all other controllers mimicked since its release. Not all controllers. And let's also, while we're on talk the subject of controllers, let's talk about this... Uh, uh, as you termed it, fun, uh, like a Nintendo track and field pad. We had one of these, and I calling that fun would be uh, a gross understate, or it, it was not fun. 
uh, gross overstatement. This thing was, we never, hardly ever used it the way you were supposed to because it was ridiculous trying to use it. And so what? tell them what we ended up doing, that we ended up getting on our knees and just smacking the pad with our hands because no one in their right mind is going, you can't run on this thing. This Much like the robot that came with the, the original set, the uh, this was a uh, silly, like uh, unused item in the NES controller area. Rob, uh, so I wouldn't was, give this thing a lot of billing. It's not like this thing was awesome or anything because it was not. Rob was a uh, marketing ploy to get into the North American mon hey, uh, market. Not my and problem. Nintendo, was he good? No. Did I say Rob was good? Well, I'm just saying. And to be fair, the power pad was an option. It is nice to have options. Even though you didn't use the power pad, I certainly used it some. I, I did. Did I use it as much as the zapper or the controller? Of course not. Uh, but I also didn't have access to as many games that actually used the power pad. Maybe I would have if I'd have had more options. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I think we can uh, move along from the NES hardware perspective. I'd like to talk about the PC side of this a little bit, if I may. Uh, Brentster, uh, because the uh, I went ahead and based. Now listen, we know in the in the echelon in the in the galaxy of of personal computers, unlike an NES, for example, you've got a, a choices from here to doomsday as to what as to what your options are. But to to be fair, to play fair with this, I'm going to use the actual op the hardware uh, options and everything the pluses and minuses that came with that from the computer we had. <clears throat> Uh, which was the Tandy 1000 TL. Unlike Brent, I am going to get into some specs here. Uh, this computer uh, had had an, a, a 286 CPU, 80286, running at 8 megahertz. Which right there, you could, if you could recall, that the NES was running uh, like 1.2. Uh, this also had the option for a, a math coprocessor, which, which we didn't have. Five expansion slots. And the uh, the Tandy provided you with a built-in uh, GUI interface, plus built some built-in DOS commands, so you didn't have to load them off disk. Uh, ours had a three and a half inch floppy drive in it, uh, and I want to talk about just briefly about the Tandy T on what it was. Uh, and I will say the eight bit guy did a great uh, show on the Tandy one thousand series, and just to summarize it, Tandy was basically cloning the PC Junior. That was supposed to be all the rage that was coming out. Well, the PC Junior was horrible, and it failed horribly. Uh, but Tandy had already done all this work, and they were like, well, heck, let's go ahead and keep the ball rolling on this thing and make this thing a true DOS PC, and they did. And so the what the, what carried over from the PC Junior side of things is uh, the uh, integrated motherboard. In the old days, motherboards were not integrated at all. You had to add your... Uh, your uh, your controllers, your ports on the back. You had to add any sort of sound. Uh, you had to add a video card. It was all add-on stuff with ISA slots. And the and the uh, a Tandy series added all these things together to make them a much cheaper uh, deal than what you would pay uh, for a a PC without this stuff integrated into it. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, Unlike the 2K Brent's machine has, this thing came with a robust 640K, <clears throat> which was sort of the standard of the time. Now, I will say, uh, we were very lucky uh, in, uh, the, in the era of the, of the late 80s to have a Tandy, because the advantages of having the Tandy was you had 
you had 16 color video, uh, roughly like an EGA equivalent, and you also had three voice sound, uh, which was a, a boon at the time. You've got to remember uh, the AdLib card, which was the first card to give you uh, PC sound that was widely uh, distributed, it came out in 87. And the first Sound Blaster, the first generation of the actual Sound Blaster came out in 89. They had a thing called the Game Blaster that came out earlier, but it wasn't as robust. <coughs> and even VGA debuted in the late 80s. So this was a, uh, having Tandy 16-color graphics was quite a, a boon back in the day. And it was well-supported uh, because a lot of uh, games uh, were more than happy to throw in Tandy graphics and sound. Uh, Moby Games has Tandy graphics in, appearing in almost a thousand games of that era. So you've got quite a bit of uh, support uh, for the machine uh, back in those days. Now, a PC. What would, a, what would having a PC get you? Okay, uh, What it got us was, aside from the stuff I've just mentioned, uh, we also had a modem in ours. Now, uh, the modem would allow... Uh, this isn't Japan either. This is the USA. Uh, the modem would allow us to uh, call bulletin boards uh, or online services and uh, be able to communicate with them, <coughs> which opened up a whole world of uh, additional interest. Now, let's talk about why having a PC hardware-wise is better than a console <coughs> just straight out of the gate. Just to list a few things. Number one, uh, PC capabilities are, that are, have nothing to do with gaming. That when you buy a PC, you've got access to word processors. Uh, spreadsheets, databases, you've got access to email and online messaging. Uh, like I said earlier, connecting to online uh, BBSs and, and uh, uh, other services. There's educational options and also uh, typing tutors and whatnot, and even art and photo programs. And I will say, just to be fair, the Tandy shipped with all these built in. It came with the discs to run each of these items that I mentioned. So these weren't things you had to buy extra, they were part of the deal. Um, something else you got with a PC that you didn't get with a console. Um, of course, a PC has a 102-key keyboard. So right out of the gate, this opens up a whole world of advanced gaming options that you can never do on an NES. Uh, something else that we had, uh, the, the TL was the first computer that I ever had that had a mouse, uh, that giving you the option for mouse-based gaming or that analog input support that is nice. You had a large choice and controller options. Uh, you had uh, flight sticks, game pads, uh, you had uh, joysticks of all kinds made by a hundred different companies or more. You even had options in terms of your of the type of game ports you had. The, Co the Tandy uh, t series had a built-in, two built-in joystick support, uh, uh, joystick ports that would, that could house a uh, certain, uh, set the, the types of joysticks made for that port but a normal PC port, which were a couple, you know, they were less than fifty dollars, uh, that had a, a, a what was the standard PC gamepad support would open up a whole world of different options, even stuff like steering wheels and flight yokes, the whole nine yards. Um, you also have with the PC the ability to upgrade your video and audio options, even with the Tandy TL. Despite the fact that we were really at the front of the pack when it came to graphics and audio, we could have actually upgraded the video, or the audio when those cards came available. So you've got an upgrade path, just like you have an upgrade path with the memory and the processing power. <clears throat> and then lastly, with a PC, you have, you have access to PC software as opposed to cartridges. So what makes this good? Well, for one thing, 
PC software, and we'll get into this more later on, but PC software was uh, fairly inexpensive compared to the consoles. You also had access to a whole boatload of free uh, software through shareware, through freeware gaming, uh, demos. You also had access to games you could type in yourself. You, had fr you could get free games like that. You had uh, an ease of use in gaming. A lot of people think that, that uh, PC gaming was a difficult task with a lot of installing and drives. Well, in this era, PC gaming was super simple. This you got to remember that the Tandy had no hard drive. So everything I played came right off the disc. And usually you just ran stuff right off the disc. There was no install. It was, uh, there was really no memory issues either at this point. It was all much simpler than it later became. Uh, you've also got the ability to play networked gaming. Uh, and this is an option that lets you hook two computers together. Uh, and it, it worked. Or also play over the modem. I had plenty of games that did this. Uh, having a PC with a modem also gives you the ability to play online games. Door games, MUDs, pay services through big, uh, big pay service game uh, options. <coughs> you, uh, you also, also more frequently than NES, you had the ability to save games. <coughs> you had a larger, more broad software library. And the software library was free of restrictions, which we'll get into that later. You also had the ability to have adult games or adult-themed games that you wouldn't have access to on an NES because of restrictions. You had the ability to make your own games if you had the, if you wanted to, and you had the skill. Uh, you also had the ability to download games from uh, online services. Uh, so you had a lot of options in the PC world that you could never have had uh, in the uh, in the world of the console. What do you think, Brent? Well, first of all, we really need to work on your concept of five minutes, but that's neither here that nor there. That was five minutes. That was five Let's minutes. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the things you brought up here. Please. First of all, you you have of course avoided costs altogether, you didn't uh, because cost we know that well, you didn't we know that cost ADS, isn't even so. on the same playing field. You didn't mention uh, the cost on yours, so I didn't mention on mine. Uh, okay, sure, we'll go with that. Um, and then you started talking about all of these wonderful things you could email and you could do this and you you, you buy this card and then you have this ability and you buy that card and you have this ability. I don't want that. I want a game machine. That when I buy my game, I stick it in and it works. And that, it, now granted, during this era, it was closer. It was closer, but it was certainly not something where all, anything you got, you just plugged in and it started working. Uh, you talked about the inputs. Most computers, and I'm, I, I can't 100% for sure say if Tandy did this or not, most computers did not ship with any kind of joystick or anything. It shipped with a keyboard. So, as with as we know, uh, software manufacturers will go with the lowest common denominator, which meant most of your games were gaming with a, off of a keyboard. Uh, which, personally, I don't think is a pleasurable experience. Uh, I think there are games that work with keyboards. If you want to play text adventures, uh, I think PCs are definitely the way to go. But literally all the rest of gaming, and I'm talking about adventure, uh, uh, strategy, uh, role-playing, and we'll get more into this on the software side, uh, is better suited and more streamlined for console. Now, one to more hardware stuff, uh, you were talking about uh, the processor, uh, eight mega flops, blah, blah, blah. 
that's because PCs have so much overhead that they have to work with, and all the RAM you were talking about, all the RAM that was needed for the Nintendo was on the carts. That was the whole point. Uh, that way, if a game needed more space, it would put on more chips, and it allowed the expandability through that. Um, when you put in a floppy disk, or you're playing your game, and you get to the point, and it's like, put in disk 2. Well, there goes the flow of gaming. So you've got to fumble out, get your disk out, put it in, hope it still works, because magnetic media is is the devil. Uh, and thankfully, we've went away from that for, the, for a large part in floppy form. Um, also, with PC gaming, you're talking about all this online stuff, right? Online availability, especially during this time, was so limited. It was so limited. You had to... At best, if you live somewhere that you had a uh, BBS in your area, you were you were lucky. If you had someone you could call into, you were lucky. Uh, so using that as a selling part for hardware is is just as silly as me saying that you could use a modem in Japan. So uh, you you're you're talking about an era that is before. Um, Online capabilities, and I know there were there were BBSs out there during this time, but they weren't nearly as prevalent as you're wanting to to make them out to be. It was a hard job to get into a BBS during this time. So don't. I also hardware. One more thing I want to I want to mention. I, I know I'm running out of time here. Is you were talking about different peripherals, and then at least you mentioned it. Almost none of this stuff would plug into your computer directly. You had to buy a gaming port of some sort to get your good uh, analog and your flight sticks and your steering wheels. And it's just cost after cost after cost, which is what, unfortunately, PC gaming was and what it is now. If I may, rebut just for a brief a moment. Absolutely. You're totally incorrect about the online situation. Not We live in a remote death hole of West Virginia, and they were in 87, 80. This was the prime time for BBS. It never got any better. This is it. There were, there were 20 boards near locally to me. That's the discounting things like CompuServe uh, uh, and whatnot, where these prodigy, these huge services that you could call and play these massive games. So if you think that there wasn't any sort of BBS action, and let's not discount stuff like FidoNets uh, and, and, and also... Uh, emailing and stuff through these big services there was it there was international email available at this time there was international messaging and there was tons and tons of bbsing board games muds that was all this was the prime time so no this isn't like japan this is an actual thing Mo and uh, our machine came with a mode i'm sure you're there now i will grant you uh when you have to get into this era in gaming on pcs 87 89 is a little quirky because it it sort of predates when the sound blasters and the ad-lib cards were becoming widely accepted. Shortly thereafter, I'd say in 91 or so, where sound blasters sort of became the ipso facto uh, audio source, every audio card came with a standard joystick port. So I'll grant you, I will, I would submit to you that yes, this era was a little more, you had to actually get a, if on a Tandy at least, you had to go out and buy a joystick uh, card for 25 bucks or whatever. Uh, our, like I said, we're lucky the Tandy came with joystick ports, and yes, you're also right that they did not ship with joysticks. 
So that would be a, 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 something else you had to buy for you know thirty bucks or whatever. Go out and get some joysticks. But uh, in, in just a few short years, uh, this would be uh, pretty much off the table in terms in terms of that. Uh, there was no overhead in gaming or in, or memory wasted because again, you're, this predates the Windows era. What you got in DOS was what you had. There was no overhead. Uh, just for maybe a mouse drive or something like that, but that's it. So this was you're getting all that memory. Uh, the Tandy, of course, had the graphics and sounds built in, so you didn't have to actually do anything to get this stuff. You didn't have to go and buy extra cards. They were there. 16 colors, glorious, colorful uh, uh, video with sound, with good sound, up to really up to five channels when they did it right. So I don't agree with the majority of what you said. Uh, specifically, the, the BBS parts, which can't be understated. That's the one thing you could definitely do on a PC. You could never do on an NES in America. Is play online games with your friends, which means something. So, with all that said, let's move on to the software portion of our debate. Now, uh, Brenny, uh, how would you like to do this? Do you want to take this or you want me to lead off on this one? Uh, you go right ahead. Okay. Let's talk about PC software. Because there's some common misconceptions about uh, about what was available. I went over, <coughs> excuse me, I went over a few of these things, but I wanted to go over them again, uh, just to uh, kind of use these examples in the realm of what I'm talking about. So I mentioned you can get inexpensive software uh, on the PC, uh, and this is true. Uh, uh, sometimes free. Uh, if you are uh, uh, someone that, that gets online, you, back in the day, you could download games until the cows came home. Through, and, and granted, it's various qualities of games, but you could download games that uh, were demos or full games or games that people had programmed in. So that was always a nice entry because so, you're effectively talking about a, lot, a huge library of free software or shareware software. Uh, this really ramped up in the early 90s, but it was around in the 80s, uh, in the late 80s too, and so there was a pretty decent selection of stuff. I mentioned uh, BBS thing, which again was, uh, was a big facet of it. Uh, I want to talk about games that you could play on the PC that you could never play on a, on a console. So, right off the gate, uh, if you look at uh, the NES uh, Golden Seal, the standard that they supposedly held their uh, their programmers to, or the companies that made uh, software for the NES, the PC was a completely wide-open expanse with literally no rules about what you could or couldn't do. Now, does this mean you got some crummy games sometimes? Yes, absolutely. But you got crummy games on the NES. But what you also got on the PC that you couldn't get on the NES were games that had controversial topics, they had adult topics, you know, they had over-the-top violence, or sometimes just normal violence that any that Nintendo didn't approve of. Uh, so this opened up a whole different area of gaming uh, that you could not get on a console. Something else, as I mentioned, with the ability to have a keyboard involved. I know Brent said he didn't like playing games with a keyboard, but I liked it. And what you did was you had the ability to play games that you could never really play properly on a console. And I don't just mean Infocom games. I mean games that require, like flight simulators, uh, for example, or, or even games uh, that required multiple keys to uh, shortcut commands. Uh, like, uh, uh, I'll use 688 Attack Sub as an example of a game where you could use the keyboard shortcuts to go through the game quicker. Uh, I think <coughs> the keyboard opens up a whole world of, uh, of 
of gaming that you could not get on NES. It also opens up the world to multiplayer games because even without joysticks, most keyboard most games that supported your keyboard would support that had multiplayer. It would have multiple players on the keyboard. It was no problem. Uh, we did that tons and tons of times back in the day. I want to talk about um, the uh, ability to save games. This was a much more prominent feature back in the day. It happened a lot more than it would. This is something that would come later on down the life of a Nintendo machine, but it wasn't as prevalent on the NES. Now, let's let's talk about the dinosaur in the room here. Now, it's funny, when me and Brent went over this topic, it's one of the first things I mentioned, <clears throat> and this is an unsavory topic. I'm just going to throw it out there. One thing you could do on the PC that you could never do on the Nintendo, not for years, was for straight-up pirate game. Uh, you could uh, go download, you could go copy your buddy's floppy. You could go download uh, games. PC games were smaller, uh, and I mean, by today's standards. And I remember even uh, on a, uh, I think it was on like a, a 28.8 or a 14.4 modem, you could download a floppy disk in an hour or so without any, without any difficulty. And it, would, uh, it, it was easy as pie to do. Uh, and you could, you got a free game. Now, should you pirate games? No. But that didn't stop most people. And so you could, what you could do was build up a robust library of software. Now, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's kind of it's crummy, but you could do it. And, and when you did it, you had the game. Free game. So there's an aspect of PC gaming that you wouldn't think of today. But it was, it was a pretty big deal uh, to be able to download whatever game you wanted. I didn't want to go through a huge list of PC games uh, that uh, <coughs> that I used to play, but I did grab some just to use as, as a few examples uh, and why it was a, a good way to go. I, you know, we were looking at think games up to '89, and there were a lot of good games that came out before '87. Uh, and just to <coughs> excuse me, just a few I wanted to mention were. You had the Space Quest series, if you were into those games. You had the SimCity that came out in 89, which was a great game. These are games that would be very difficult to do on a, on a con, in a console environment. The entire Infocom library of text games, uh, you would, you, which you used the keyboard to type in commands. I want to mention the Arkanoid series. Uh, Arkanoid and Revenge of Doe, which came out in 86, 89 respectively, which used the mouse peripheral to a great degree with, for control. Games that had PAL or analog features, the mouse was a boon for um, I want to talk about uh, games like Battle Chess and 688 Attack Sub, which lets you uh, play with a modem uh, with like a network-style game. Now, Battle Chess came out for the NES, but it didn't come out for two more years and did not have that feature. So you had games like that. Uh, I, I want to talk about uh, some games like uh, 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 Microsoft Flight Simulator, uh, that series of games. Again, could not ever appear on a console uh, due to the... Uh, girth of controls that you had to use. <coughs> um, the Leisure Suit Larry series, another g series that would have to be heavily edited to uh, appear on a, on a console. Uh, so you can see that quite a few of these would just never appear on a console. There's a, a ton of good games. I'm going to surrender the floor to Brent here, and if we get into going game by game, then we'll come back to them. But, uh, oh, Mech Warrior, another great game that you could not ever do on a, on a console because of the keyboard. So, um, in conclusion, on the on the software side, you know, lots of great games, free games, more complicated games, and uh, just games that were a lot of fun. Brent, what do you think? Uh, PC gaming <clears throat> during this era, 
it was the Wild West of gaming. Mm. There's no question about it. You definitely could get your more unsavory titles the PC route. Uh, the unfortunate problem is they all looked horrible. Uh, during this era, really what you wanted to do was get to as close to the arcade as you could. Uh, that, that was one of the main goals. And the 16-color, uh, while respectable for some games, was just ugly for others. But I'm not going to harp on that because graphics is not everything to a game. And, and I've never thought that. And there are certainly some 16-color games out there that are beautiful. So, you know, I'm not even going to totally go down that route. Um, the problem with PC gaming during this time, first of all, was availability. Uh, you couldn't go into a lot of stores and and pick up a game like you could for Nintendo. The availability for Nintendo stuff was way larger. Also, you could walk into a rental place and rent games for the consoles, and you could never do that for the PC. Um, at least nowhere around here that I ever saw. That allowed you to sample a game decide if it was something you wanted legally, and then make a purchase decision off of that. Uh, also, with PC gaming, you're talking about, oh, the keyboard's this great in input device. Yeah. No, it's not. It is very limiting. It, uh, it forces you to learn a bunch of commands that sometimes make sense and sometimes doesn't. And when you're trying to use a keyboard to... Uh, emulate a controller, you run into key clashes, you run into uh, just the inability to do simple techniques, rolling techniques, uh, become a chore on a keyboard versus a controller. But we're talking about software. So you're talking about these games that were available on PC that you can never do on Nintendo. And, and when I go over my games, I'm going to show you that's just not true. Outside of text adventures, which you could still do, but why would you want to on a console? Uh, everything plays better on a console. Everything. And I'll, I'll get them, like I said, I'll get into that more uh, when we show my games off. But you have to understand the availability for downloading shareware uh, and getting uh, previews of your games was not prevalent in this time. It was just not. Now, could you go and, and, and borrow your buddy's game? Uh, sometimes, yeah, if you had compatible systems. But you couldn't go and just pick up uh, 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 all the games that you're talking about, you're wanting to play, they weren't just out there. They never were out there like that. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, <clears throat> you could. First of all, you there were plenty of places selling PC titles. Second off, yes. I didn't you, say there wasn't. I said the availability wasn't as strong. I'd say it was as strong. Uh, secondly, <laughs> uh, um, so you got to think PC titles had been out a lot longer than the NES. So there were titles out there. Uh, and major retailers carry PC titles. Uh, PC software in the, in, at this part in this era, and this you're talking about an era here with like your uh, EBs and your uh, you know there were stores. That's exactly what I'm talking about. When but you I mean, walked in and you you sat had the Nintendo shelf, there were 70 games. 
when you looked at the PC shelf, there were like 10. That's not true. In, this, in fact, it's the exact opposite. It, but now, I completely ratio, disagree. The, I vividly ratio, remember walking the into stores. Changed. The ratio changed and PC did get squeezed out. There's no doubt. But at this time, there was still plenty of shelf space for PC titles. Uh, big box titles. Why do you think they had big boxes? They were big box titles on a big shelf. Uh, the... Uh, uh, the, the, the I think the keyboard's a perfectly legitimate interface device. I think the mouse, I think you're understating the, the abilities the mouse gave you to, uh, to uh, do analog-type controls. Uh, I think that it gave you a lot of, of nice action. Also, again, with the 16 gr color contr uh, graphics and the three-channel three sound, the uh, Tandy had real, had real good-looking games. I mean, much better-looking than CGA. That's for darn sure. Uh, <clears throat> I think there were plenty of games available online. I think you're, I know you're a little fuzzy in this era. I mean, you couldn't even remember that we actually owned the Tandy TL. So I know it's because it's so unmemorable. You, I don't expect you to 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 uh, remember what was going on. But yes, there were plenty of things to to, to download game wise uh, that uh, of all sorts of genres. And also, we'll get to this later. But no, I don't agree that the consoles could do everything the PC could do better. We'll talk about that when when well right now, I guess because. Why don't you go ahead and give us the scoop on the uh, the software side of the NES? Absolutely. Something I want to... Uh, you know, I said I wasn't going to harp on the 16-color graphics, but you brought it... The 16-color... You brought it up again, so now I've got to. Uh, when you're comparing graphics from a console of this era to a computer of this era, it's it's not even fair. Uh, obviously, the games for the Nintendo looked better than was ever producible on a 16-color palette. But that's not even what I want to get into. You're talking about games that you couldn't play anywhere else. That's where Nintendo first-party license is its strongest uh, because they were pumping out games, high-quality games, that you couldn't get for the PC because they wouldn't sell them for the PC. I'm talking about your Mario's, your Zelda's, uh, all of these first-party titles that were completely exclusive, not only uh, away from PC, but away from other consoles at this time. These were games everyone was wanting to play, and the sales numbers back that up. When you are looking at... Uh, Sales numbers for this fit, for this time period, some of the highest selling games of all time were on Nintendo. For example, uh, Super Mario Brothers has over 40 million copies sold. That puts it like in the top 10 of all time. Uh, <clears throat> now you can say, oh, that was included with the system. That kind of bumped the numbers. It sold systems. And I can't think of a single PC title that sold PCs. Now it might be out there, and I hope you can. I hope you can correct me. But there were plenty of games that sold systems. You've got your Mario Brothers. You've got your Mario Brothers Three. You've got your Legends of Zelda. You've got your uh, uh, Punch Out. Your Metroids, and even into the realm of places you don't think. PCs or consoles can go. You've got your flight simulators. You've uh, got your arcade flight simulators. You've got your role-playing games. And I'm talking about games that are epic adventures, that are 
20, 30, 40 hours long in your your Ultimas and your Dragon Quests, and even uh, uh, titles that are sim-based. SimCity, in my opinion, is probably best played on the NES because of the added features that it has. You've got your sports titles. You've got your licensed sports titles at that. Uh, something that was hardly ever done uh, on the PC during this era. And you've got games that were experimental. Uh, you know, games that were not of the norm. I'm talking games that used peripherals like Rob the Robot, even though he wasn't a great boon to the system. He was obviously a marketing gimmick. It was still something that you could play on Nintendo that you could absolutely not play anywhere else. Uh, and they... You can't just say they had just big titles because they had lots of indie smaller titles too. They had stuff like Bible Adventure, for goodness sakes, that wasn't licensed through Nintendo. So those things did happen. Uh, Nintendo's grasp wasn't so uh, mighty that it wiped out all these other things. They were possible. They just weren't done because they weren't necessary. <clears throat> when you're looking at sound, the Nintendo has great sound. Uh, it had music while having sound effects. It had uh, strong showings in the sound department on some games that you can't even play uh, because they're copyrighted music now. They actually turned them into CDs, which is something that I don't know if ever happened on the PC. Even your point-and-click adventures, your Maniac Mansions, your uh, uh, games like that, they played great on console, and until you've actually tried it, where the the mouse pointer will actually uh, uh, scroll nice nicely to what you're trying to do, and you can have snap controls, and certain commands are just already mapped to the buttons in certain games, it makes it easier, it makes it faster, and it wasn't just a few titles that had that, it was a lot of titles. It also went into the realm of 3D gaming, where you actually wore your red and blue glasses. Games like Rad Racer uh, had that feature. And it was, was it a gimmick? Some people can say that was a gimmick, sure. But it wasn't what made the game. Rad Racer, for uh, example, sold almost 2 million copies. 2 million! So it's not like that one little feature was, was a gimmick. The whole game was good, and it had this extra feature. So I am hard-pressed uh, when you look at arcade titles, all the arcade titles that it did so well, I'm hard-pressed to see how you could think that gaming on a Nintendo uh, was not something to be done for everyone. Well, just a little bit of disagreement here. First of all, just right off the top, anyone, and you're not even naive enough to try to get this over no one's going to say that moving an arrow around the screen with a controller is as good as a mouse. Because it's not. I will. In There's fact, no way. I would play Maniac Mansion on a NES before I'd play it on a computer. You know, it's funny. You should, let's talk about Maniac Mansion on the NES, shall we? Since we actually covered that in a previous episode. What's the big uh, fra uh, flagrant uh, issue with Maniac Mansion on the NES? It was censored. Heavily censored. Was it heavily censored? Yes was, or no? It was, was it heavily it was censored? It was minorly censored. It was heavily censored. 
a, a lot of games on the NES are censored. So you have to play ball with the juggernaut tyrant that Nintendo was back in the day. Nintendo decided how many games you could make. They made all the cartridges. They put the lockout chip in to make sure no one else could do it. And yeah, Bible, the Bible game being a, an offshoot, effectively a pirate outlaw cartridge, hardly anyone has those. They're super incredibly rare. Well, there's also Tension did the same thing. Everyone had to play the game that, that Nintendo wanted. And what that meant was Nintendo could mold that library to however they wanted. And that seal of quality that they stamped on stuff didn't mean jack squat. It was the seal of money is what it was. They wanted to make all the money on all the software. And so it was limiting. You don't get you don't get the more risque tiles, more violent tiles. Plus, if I'd played Maniac Mansion on the PC and rolled over to Nintendo to play it, and all of a sudden I'm finding that things aren't the same, that's lame, man. To go in there and, and, and edit software like that is, is incredibly lame. That didn't happen on the PC because it didn't have to happen. Uh, you know, Nintendo uh, was very restrictive with their with what they would let you do on their machines. So, because again, they made all the cartridges, so they would only they would uh, it, they would basically make these parties limit how many games they can make a year. So, not only were they making uh, money on getting all the cartridge action, they were also making sure that your Konamis and your Capcoms, all the guys, couldn't only can only make a certain amount of games per year. That also was limiting on what was released. So, but that all their draconian cartridge limiting aside, I'm not going to sit here and, and stupidly say that none of the Nintendo games are great. They've got tons and tons of classic titles on here. But uh, I would submit to you that there's a flip side, there's a opposite side of the coin to a lot of these titles. Uh, let's let's take a look at the Zelda series, for example, which everyone loves the Zelda series. It's not my bag, but I can understand people like it. The PC had its own uh, flavor of role-playing that was a whole different level of role-playing. It was a whole different type of role-playing. And I'm talking, it's like the Gold Box series. Just, I looked at what was released in, 80, in, the, in the late 80s, and you got, uh, you got quite a few really good role-playing games. I mean, uh, you got your Might Magic, which didn't, they, eventually the NES got it, but it was like literally five or six years later. You know, your Pools of Radiance, the gold box game. When you're talking about flight simulators on the NES, that was made me laugh too. I saw uh, uh, Top Gun fly by. You're going to compare that to Microsoft Flight Simulator or their finest well, I said that was an arcade flight simulator. Uh, you said both. I'm just saying the complexity, the, the realism on their finest hour or 6A attack sub is like a thousand percent higher than what you're going to get on the NES. Uh, the uh, uh, Curse of Azure Bonds is another great uh, game that you could not get on the on the uh, NES. These were more involved Dungeons and Dragons style role playing games, the stuff that a tabletop gamers were used to. A game like Zelda, to me, and I've not played Dragon Warrior, so I can't comment. On that, but I mean, to call I don't know what I know. Boat always fights with me that whether or not this is a role playing game. But I mean, it's often thrown up as a role-playing game, but I mean, really, what is it? It's a game where you run around whacking bushes with a sword for two, for 20 hours. Not my bag, man. I want to go into dungeons and fight actual dragons and stuff with a party. It's the way it's supposed to be done. The PC gave you the ability with the keyboard control to go through and, and customize your games, name your characters, go through and have a, a, a shortcut keys to get all the stuff done you needed to run a proper RPG. I think the PC uh, really shined on games like that. Simulation 
an RPG is where the PC shone far above the NES. Uh, your Bard's Tales, your games like that. Those are games that they shined on. Plus, you don't have to worry about uh, Nintendo going in there and monkeying with them. It's a See, your deal. ignorance is showing through here. Because Nintendo had, they had the Dragon Quest, it had the Ultimas, it had the Final Fantasies, and these are all of your... And I'm not talking one or two of these games. They had three, four, five of the same uh, series, different chapters of the games, uh, which are all your traditional turn-based stat RPGs. So, Jeff, so that's, all, it's Ultima on the NES, that sounds like a disaster. I'll take Ultima on the PC where it was. That's where it was. That's where it was made to go. And and well, let's, let's, Final let's Fantasy. Talk these about are Japanese your, your, RPGs. They're not the like, same. No, no, no. These aren't all Japanese RPGs. These are Zelda, RPGs. Dragon, Dragon Quest, and and uh, Final Fantasy are all Japanese. Okay, first of all, okay, you're right. I guess if we can narrow down a subject to its finite grain of sand, you might get something that's better on a PC. But I'm not going to give you that for RPGs because RPGs for the Nintendo. Let me run a few numbers by you. Uh, Dragon Quest 3, almost 4 million copies. Dragon Quest 4, over 3 million copies. Uh, Dragon Quest 2, uh, almost 25, or 2.5 million copies. And then you've got your, uh, uh, your Final Fantasy games, have sold millions of copies. Uh, so these are games that people were choosing to play on the NES because it was accessible it was easy, the stories were good, and it was a great way to play RPGs. I agree. A lot of little kids got their... No, this, is, their, this has nothing to do with little kids stuff, Listen, and it, you're showing everyone, your ignorance when you say that, that kind of NES thing. Everyone had, had a rep for being the kiddie <laughs> console. That's what it was. It shipped with a freaking robot, man. No, the PC you're showing your ignorance. That had sophisticated taste. They had to know what a PC was, for example. They had to no. be able to come home from work and sit down and work on this thing. These aren't people that came staggering in from third grade and wanted to play a role-playing game, and they got there and they went into this. The PC was for people that ha that were a little more sophisticated, with a little more going on. That's the difference. I'm not saying no. they didn't sell in big numbers, no, but see, a lot of people watch the Kardashians too. You're showing your ignorance. You're saying that oh, it's a kitty game. Some of the most brutal things I've ever seen came from a Nintendo game. Bionic Commando. You kill Hitler, and his head explodes, and he curses on screen. I think we could all get behind that. There's no doubt okay? about that. Okay, so uh, Kitty Console, now, are, were there games aimed at children? Sure, but you've had that on PC as well. But, but there were definitely yeah. as many adult-oriented, adult, adult subject. I'm not talking triple X. I'm talking adult themes, complex themes, uh, in your role-playing games on Nintendo. So thinking otherwise, just you're ignorant. I and disagree. I is Legend of Zelda a role-playing game? No, it's an action-adventure game. That's what, yeah, that's what Boat says, too. Hey, I'm just saying... There's a there, and you can't deny this. In fact, this is not even a debate here. There are different level. There are different types of role playing games on the consoles than on the than on the PCs. Uh, You're and, right, and they have the totally console different has flavors. better ones in almost every regard. I don't agree with that. So I think we'll leave it there, Brent. Uh, a uh, a rousing 
uh, fight and argument. Uh, we will leave it to the general viewers to and listeners to decide uh, which side of the coin they want to come down on. Uh, if you want to leave comments uh, below the video or feel free to email us uh, and we will get our email address up here momentarily, but uh, we would love to hear from you. We'd like Discord comments, anything you've got on uh, your take, or, and for that matter, who do you think put up a better argument, <clears throat> just so we can have bragging rights, Brent. Uh, speaking of bragging rights, I have no segue to get us to the wheel. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay, man. Now, this week, we've added two things. So, for our classic console, we've got the Mega Drive, and for our new piece, we've got the V-Tech Soc Socrates, which I just picked one of these up. So you can <laughs> That's so great. And that is solely on there because you now own one, That's isn't right. it? That's right. You got that right. Here we go. And we have a winner. And the winner is Food Games, friend. Food Games. Food Games. Oh, excellent. Food Games. We've got to do games related to food. That's kind of neat, isn't it, Brent? I think that Yeah, be... I think this is a I think this is a good broad topic. <laughs> I no. agree. Uh, I actually enjoyed that battle. Uh, it, was, uh, it opened my eyes to a few things. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, just to be fair, in closing, I own uh, a uh, NES and have several favorite games on it. Of course, I've owned a PC my whole life, and so have you. So, uh, but we, it, still, I think we picked the right sides on that because we both have our own taste, given our age, uh, as, you, as, as it goes. Um, <laughs> Real quick, let's talk about food games. Yeah. Um, Are, are we are doing games that are themed around food. Is that's going to be that's the restriction? Right. Or you are food in the game, or or it, the yeah, or it's some. There's got to be food involved. Some sort okay. of and human food. I'm not going to pick Burger Time, right? But I'm definitely going to talk about Burger You've Time. You've already picked Burger Time in a previous show, so you don't get to pick it again. Remember our electronic handheld game show? I I've, I've just I've what just... a dud. By the way, you picked poorly in that one. Um, hey, we'd like to... You're insane. Burger Time's great. We'd like to do a quick shout-out to our good buddy, the Dunk, the Dunkster, Duncan Styles, who does our awesome 3D Tron-like graphics. <coughs> we'd also like to shout-out to our good buddy, the Bark Bit, who does our cool closing theme. Brent, you want to say hi to anybody in the chat there? Do we, anybody stick around? Uh, looks like uh, my lovely wife... Is is angry There's that you're all... not letting me pick Burger Time for a second time? Uh, yeah, she loves Burger Time. I know that. Uh, we got Pep Plow. Well said. <laughs> We've got uh, Wing Chung Wolf. Oh yeah. Duncan Styles, Paul uh, Kitching, Pixels. Uh, I know Roushy was here in the beginning, but he had to take off. Uh, Buck Owen. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing people. Poor Rusi. Hey, I'm in chat. Yeah, Rusi's on. So, up. yeah, we had a pretty good crowd turnout. kick out because it's so late over there in Germany. Oh, uh, Geo's Lake's on. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Hey, we'd like to thank you for uh, showing up. Uh, again, we record every Sunday at 9 a.m. sharp, unless we're late, which I think not today we're... Not sharp. Dull's a, dull's a blade. We were pretty close. Uh, Brent, any, any parting thoughts before we put this thing to bed? Uh, I am looking forward to food games next week. I think it'll be a fun, fun, uh, fun episode. Great. Uh, please, if you have any comments, questions, 
Uh, contact us at argpresents at mail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we're always happy to get any iTunes reviews. Uh, you can catch our show on YouTube or on, on Anchor. If that's your bag, all of our shows are available on Anchor. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, our Anchor sponsors. Brent, you want to thank your Anchor sponsors here? He doesn't. He, he doesn't want to thank the Anchors. He looks like a deer in headlights, man. Oh, I thought you were talking about our... You're out of your mind. I thought you were talking. I thought you were talking about the people we do the ad for. No. I was like, no, I don't want to thank them. No, no. <laughs> Idiot. Your anchor sponsors. Thank your anchor sponsors. Uh, I'm actually going to do something special for our anchor sponsors moving forward. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to put together a uh, a little thing where we, we, not only where we read out the names, uh, but we try to give them a little special. I don't. You gonna skit? sing for them? <laughs> oh no, I'm not gonna sing because you know that's that's already a done thing. Well, I'll go um, ahead since you don't have anything. I'll go ahead and uh, thank them. Our our good buddy Anthony Jarvis and John Schaller. Boat. We'll try to do better next time, buddy. Since you weren't sold on this one, we'll see if we can crank something up more. To you. I think food games is probably something he came up with. It sounds like one of his. So uh, we will try to get it right. Uh, hey, listen, we do appreciate everybody tuning in, and uh, we will catch you on the flip side next week for Food Games. Until mm. then, I'm right, he's wrong. Yeah.